Well, hello and welcome to the Life Church Canton podcast. My name is Jared Van Vorst, and I'm your host for the show and one of the pastors at Life Church. Thank you for joining us for this particular message. This is our New Life Sunday where we baptize people, and uh, this is just one of the services that you're going to hear. Uh, we we did two services and baptized a handful of people. We even had some um, at the service you're going to hear come up toward the end and decide in that moment that they wanted to be baptized as well. So that's not on this recording, but uh, just feel it's important for you to know uh, that God is moving in people's lives. And um, you're going to hear a message from Pastor Nathan, and he's uh, going to share a little bit more of his story and some of the work that God has done in him. Um, before we get to that, I just want to remind you, if you've never subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and do so so that you can stay up to date on our podcasts and uh, any of our information that we have on our website, you can go check out as well, uh, lifechurchcanton.org. And then if you would like to give and partner with us in the work that um, God is doing in and through our church, uh, we would invite you to do that. You can go to lifechurchcanton.org slash give and find out how you can give and how your giving makes an impact. So now here is Nathan. You can have a seat. Amen. There's a churchy term that maybe we don't always think about, but it means may it be. Let it be. I love that. May it be that we would see God and what he is doing. I want to welcome you if you are here for the first time or checking us out online for the first time. I met a couple people who came for the first time with someone and someone who showed up and never expected to walk into a church service with a giant horse trough in it. Uh, it was fun, but they had a great experience. Whether you are in the room or online, I want you to know that we are so excited that you are here because it's New Life Sunday. And New Life Sunday is all about celebrating who God is and what he is doing. In fact, we have a code, a code that is driven by new life, meaning what drives us, what motivates us as a church, as a people, is seeing God's name glorified through him showing up and transforming lives and then celebrating it. That's why we worship. That's why we do what we do. In fact, New Life Sunday is a way that we celebrate it. So we do that by celebrating salvations. Last week, we had 10 people commit or recommit their lives to Jesus. That was incredible. <laughs> Pastor Julia, who is here and did an incredible job, which you'll want to check out if you missed it. We already had people who recommitted their lives to Jesus today, um, which is incredible to me. And I just feel honored to be with you and part of a church that is seeing this kind of growth. We celebrate new life through baptisms. We got some people here who are getting baptized who are going to share their story and that is going to be something that is going to empower us to do what God has called us to do because this world, it's difficult. And then there are going to be people who are going to walk up and get baptized today more than likely. I mean, they already did at the last service as well. We'll hear more about that. What are we doing? We're giving testimony. The word testimony can mean a lot of things. It can be in a courtroom or in church, but it's evident or proof provided by the evidence of something. And our stories are the something. They're the evidence of new life that we have found in Jesus Christ. And that's why it's so important for us to tell them. New Life Sunday is about telling about the evidence of Jesus Christ's ability to change lives forever. That is what it is all about. It's actually crucial that we celebrate, though, because the joy of the Lord is our strength, not our gritted determinedness to not give up. No, it's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. And when you hear these stories, you're going to be filled with joy. Now today, I want to do something a little bit different than what we normally do. 
when I preach on a New Life Sunday. I actually want to give a bit of my testimony. Is that all right? Okay, two people. Sweet. Well, everyone, okay, thank you. I'm just... Right before the last New Life Sunday, the week before, I went on a seven-day retreat, very intensive retreat where you go and you meet with a counselor every day and then you have some group time together. And its design is to be only once in your lifetime. And it's a come away with me retreat. Come away with Jesus and learn from him. And I went on it and it was so good that I did. But the reason why I went is because it's been an extremely painful uh, three years, as we've moved up here and transitioned into leadership, it's been hard, and the challenges that we've experienced in the last year have been hard as well, but it's really been a three-year journey for me, and so I was really hurt and really tired and exhausted, and, and many of you can relate with that. And so we went, uh, I went personally on the seven-day retreat, six days of praying from the morning until night with different things, and uh, not really feeling like I'm getting anywhere. I had a gifted counselor uh, meeting with Jesus, yes, seeing Jesus, a lot of crying, a lot of pain that was surfacing, but really nothing was changing. See, I had no expectations going in, or at least I didn't think I did, but the expectation was just encounter Jesus to receive healing, and it just didn't seem like it was happening. I didn't know what I expected. I wasn't going for any specific wound or hurt or anything like that. I just didn't see God moving. Now, in my times in prayer with uh, my counselor, I, I can imagine myself being in the presence of God, and, and I always imagine um, that God's love is like this huge lake, just this deep, deep lake of the love of God. And so I'm a, on top of a boat on the lake uh, of God's love, and Jesus is sitting across from me. And as the week get on, went on, the pain just kept surfacing, and the entire time, Jesus is just staring at me with his hand on my chest with sadness in his eyes. And you think, that's, that's incredible, right? right? But what started to burst inside of me wasn't a feeling of love or excitement. It was anger. Like I would even, in fact, call it rage. So I'm lamenting all the things that have happened to me that are difficult. And as I'm going through this week and counting the cost of everything that's happening, I start to feel, almost feel something physically in my chest. And it starts to gain this image, and it, and it looks like this railroad spike. It, it looks like a stake, and it's driven right into my chest to the point where I'm dealing with things, where I'm hurt, or I'm crying out to God, and I can almost feel it. And so when I'm meeting with Jesus, that I've spent all this time to be away from my family, and I'm looking, and Jesus is looking at me with his hand on his chest, and there's sadness in his eyes, what came up was rage, anger. Don't stare at me, Jesus, with sadness in your eyes and leave me like this. How dare you leave me like this what is this? I don't even know what this is. Could you just fix this? You're the only one who fixes it. Why won't you fix this? Don't you see that if I'm this hurt, and if I have this much pain, then I have to be compensating somehow. See, when we're wounded, when we're hurt, we compensate. We do. We have to. We have to cope with this world. We can't just, you know, stop. We have to keep going. Well, the problem is with dysfunctional behaviors, which always come from a woundedness that's untreated is that it's almost always, and I don't know of an example when it's not, sinful. And sin destroys. And so I'm looking at Jesus, and I'm not just mad for me. In fact, I could get over that. I'm mad for my family. 
I'm mad for the people around me. I'm, I'm mad for the, for the church. Like, look, my sin, my brokenness, my hurt, my wounding, that affects everyone in my life. So how dare you leave me with this? You know, it's interesting, before this week, I have never, ever in my life said, I am mad at God, I am angry at God. Never. I never would have said that I was angry with God, but sitting here dealing with this hurt and this pain, I realized that I don't blame him for what happened. I blame him for not fixing it. Six days of this. On the seventh day, we're in a group meeting, and the facilitator puts in front of us these giant outlines of blank bodies. Just a, it's just an outline of a body, and the goal here is to go through an exercise and start writing things. So they prompt you, and one of the prompts was, what are things that people have done to you? Wounds from your past that have hurt. Start writing them out. And so I start writing them out. The last three years of betrayals, loss of friends, harsh words, being cursed at, having many of the people who brought my family here reject me and the church after I'd give everything to leadership. You know, old wounds, not from here, but from the past because we just, we get hurt in this life. I remember all the way back to eighth grade, which I've worked with God on this before, but I had a best friend, and I find out that he was lying behind my back and, and that he was angry with me, and so I went to his house where I used to just walk into the door, and we used to hang out. I walked into the door, and seeing his face, I'll never forget, running around the corner and screaming to me to get out and that he didn't want me to be around anymore, and never, that never resolving. I remember being in a van. I vividly remember where everyone was sitting with all the leaders in the entire church, and I wasn't the lead pastor, but the lead pastor's wife at the time turned to my wife who was in the car in front of everyone and said, how can you live with him with no trace of joke or sarcasm? Wounds and pain and hurts. Man, the list goes on and on and on and on and on. But the stake, though, I keep drawing it on this body outline right in my chest. I'm drawing it, and it's connected to some of these things, but it's, it's not these things. It's, I'm starting to realize that this pain I'm feeling isn't from anything that happened here or in the past, that this is something that's deeper and harder, and I can't figure out what it is. And we're moving on. The facilitator says, okay, now I want you to write down on this paper all the things that you have ever said to yourself, hurtful things, Lies you may have told yourself, and I'm like, wow, I've never done this before. And so I started to write it out, and what came out of my pen, flowed out of my pen, was some of the most horrific and horrible things that you should never say out loud to anyone, much less to yourself. They're very, very specific, and, and they're painful, and they're always putting me down or, or calling me certain names. In fact, many of them had the F word attached to them. I'm just being honest. That's how I talked to myself for time. And I'm realizing again and again and again that based on what I'm writing and what I'm feeling, that I hate myself. That this stake is actually how I loathe who I am. That's not a revelation you want to experience. Before this time, I've never said I've hated God or hated myself or even aspects of myself. And now I'm left with this moment where I'm realizing how deep and how long. In fact, for most of my adult life, I've detested myself. And I put it there. 
I put this spike here. It wasn't something that someone else did. I did, but here's the thing. I didn't do it and just drive it into me. No, no, no. I was trying to fill something. See, there was a gap, a gap inside of me that I was trying to fill. I was trying to put this in there to cover the hole so that no one could see me or hurt me. I excelled and accomplished and, and did things and gained degrees and friendships and had experiences by hating myself because it's one of the best motivators you can think of. If I could just be better, if I didn't have to deal with this, I, I didn't look this way, if, if people didn't perceive me this way, right? Get over it. Keep going. Make yourself better. It's a motivator and it can work for a time and it can be successful. At least that's what you think it is. But what am I trying to fill? I'm trying to fill this understanding of belonging, of significance, of love, being known by making sure that I hate myself first before anyone else does. And for a time, it worked. It worked. Sure, there was a cost to it, right? But I, I was willing to pay that cost. The cost was no one could ever encourage me because you don't know me better than I know myself. In fact, there's very few people in the world who could ever say anything kind to me and maybe help develop some of the things inside of me that I was covering because I had to believe that they were smarter than me, better than me, and that they could see through me as opposed to what I saw in myself. Well, sure, I can put that aside, right? I can put that aside, but it wasn't the only cost. You see, what happens when you have a, something like this in your heart, a giant stake, is that if you get betrayed or if someone says something against you, or if you get a, abandoned, or if something happens to you, what does that do? Is it really that bad? No, but it is if it starts to hit on what you already think you know about yourself. Do you understand? Oh, you're not a nice person. You're unapproachable, right? It's not the thing. It's what it's hitting. So those are the costs, but here's the problem. It still worked. I did great things. I wanted to do great things for God, but it hurt, and then this stopped working. It stopped working. It couldn't fill the gap anymore. It wasn't allowing me to be protected anymore. It was only becoming a burden, and, and now I'm realizing that I've hated myself for so long, and I don't know what I'm supposed to to do. That's why I was there. I was lost. Then the facilitator said, okay, write down some things, the truth about who you are, and write them over there. Okay, I'll do all that good. I did that, and I'm still just in this shock. I'm absolutely wrecked in this room full of people with like this huge realization about myself. And then he says, okay, now I want you to ask God to give you how he sees you, not in scripture verses or anything like that, but just what is your name? What's your name according to God? What does he want to communicate to you? And so I listened, and before I even like said, God, tell me how you see me, the word delightful came out. How do you accept that? How do you accept delightful when you just found out you hate yourself? How? I couldn't. I couldn't do it. I physically couldn't do it. I couldn't write it. Because so much of my reality has been affected by this stake in my heart. That brings us to us. I want to talk about that gap. Do you have a gap? Maybe you don't feel like you can trust anyone. There's this gap inside of you of safety. 
Maybe you're unsure of who you are. There's a gap of identity. Fill in the blank. Terrified that you don't belong unless, fill in the blank. You won't belong unless. You won't have significance until you have that degree, you have that job, you have that spouse, you have that child, you have that, you, you fill in the blank. Do you see this? What's your gap? Maybe your parents didn't help you feel supported or were not around or weren't alive. Maybe you were abused or simply you name a million things in this world that can cause a gap that we can't develop into the people that God has us to be. Maybe you, like me, hate yourself and you've known for years. Somewhere along the line, and this is after knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I didn't get one of my deepest needs met, so I protected that gap myself. And I placed something that festered and rewounded me again and again and again. Last week, Julia spoke about Adam and Eve. I just felt so online. She was talking. I'm like, yeah, yes, yes. Like, just so in line with her. She's, you know, just the work she did to be able to come here and be ready. Just, I sense the movement of the spirit inside of her. She talked about Adam and Eve. And I was like, yes, talking about the relationship between God and Adam and Eve and how they were naked and they hid. And, and I've told this before, but if you think about it, Adam and Eve's story is a bit weird. Like they're there, they're walking with God in the garden every day. They're having all of their needs met. They're, they're connected. They have significance and belonging. And then they sin and that, that connection is broken off. And in that moment, we know what thousands of years later has happened. Because of that moment, sin entered into the world and, and cancer and diseases and pandemics and, and abuse and war and every horrible thing you can possibly imagine came into existence in that moment that now it's capable for the world to look like this. And what do they notice? They're naked? Really? What had happened in that moment, though, is, is crucial that we understand. See, they knew who they were, but then it cut off, and now they don't know who they were. There's a gap. And they're looking to their spouse, the one that they have the most intimate relationship and love, and all of a sudden, they want to cover themselves. Why? Because now everything around me defines who I am instead of God. That is the greatest loss and has caused all the pain and suffering in the world as we cannot be completed by God without a reconnection to him by the payment of sins. And we need to remember that every single day. Do you have that gap? What's your spike? What's your stake? What have you filled the hole with? Maybe a different analogy is good for you. Maybe it, it's sex, money, drugs, achievement. You've used to plug the gap. Like if I have sex with enough attractive people, that means I'm worthy. Maybe I'm good enough. I don't know what it is. It's like sex can be used for all, to fill any need, almost. And same with money and achievement. It's, it's hard because it's so personalized. Maybe if you hate yourself enough, you, become, you can be thinner, smarter, quicker, more successful. Maybe if you can find that right person, they'll fill your gap. Maybe your spike is religion. If I do enough of the right things. If I force myself to do these kinds of things, then I'll be good enough and I'll belong. I think this is where midlife crisis has come from. I just got accelerated by four years or five years because I'm not 40 yet, I guess. That's midlife, I don't know. 
But I think that's what happens. The ways you cope stop working. So you either have to pull it out and put a new one in, or you're undone. Undone. Because all of a sudden, you, what am I doing with my whole life if this isn't part of me? See, I think the spikes have been there so long we don't even realize they're not supposed to be there. That was what was true for me. And Julia says this, where Holy Spirit joins our spirit, meets our deepest needs to be loved, to have security, belonging, and connection. The Holy Spirit, because of our connection with God, can fill those needs. And our sinful nature craves to use our own ways, but our spirit nature doesn't have to because we're connected to the source of love, security, belonging, and life. Jesus is calling us. John 15, 9. This is the scripture I want you to internalize today. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. He invites us to the greatest love. I wish you could see the look in his eyes. He loves you so deeply. And everything that came up in your mind is why you're not lovable or why not or and if is irrelevant when the creator of the universe loves you. You aren't that smart. You aren't that powerful to say to God, you don't know me. He loves you deeply and he wants you to experience no matter who you are in this room or online or when you listen to this, that love again in a new way. Your greatest gap, your greatest desire can only be met in the love of Jesus Christ. So I want you to come back to that week retreat with me because now I have this incredible revelation and I go into a prayer session with Mark and we've got some kind of breakthrough. We don't know what we have, but we go back to that prayer moment and I'm back in that boat, in that boat of love and I'm in the presence of God and I'm in that exact same scene. Jesus' hand is on my chest. He's looking at me with sadness in his eyes. But now I'm seeing that sadness is something different. It hits me different. And I feel, I feel this stake in my heart. I feel it. And so I look down expecting to see it, and I do, and expecting to see God's hand beside it. But it's not beside it. The stake was running through it into my heart. And this crushed me. It's like he was saying to me, listen, I'm not going to let you hate someone that I love, even if it's yourself. And I'm overcome this whole time. He's been standing here waiting. And he looks me in the eyes and he says, are you ready? And I can't say anything. I just nod my head. And he pulls it out. And it's in his hand. He's impaled by it. This hand, he's got this stake inside of it. And then he just leans over puts his hand in the love of God and it comes out and it's gone. Except the whole stick. In that moment, I remember he doesn't just have a hole in this hand, he has it in this one. And he has it in his feet and his side's been pierced and I remember that he died for me, that he loved me, that he wasn't willing to leave me where I am. 
And nothing's changed about our God. Nothing's changed. He starts to take the love of God and he starts to rinse it out. See, that spike was, wasn't just there. It was rusted and corroded and nastiness was attached to it. So you can't put metal inside your chest and not expect something to rot. And he starts to clean out my chest and scoop out this junk. And I am just sitting there in awe of my creator. And he says to me, you are delightful and I'm free. In that moment, I'm free. I'm free again. I'm open and I'm vulnerable. Jesus is calling you as he called me. Whatever you've done, he's saying, I've paid for it. And whatever you call yourself, I call you loved. Do you hear him? He's calling you to the water of his love to wash you in his love. And I looked down at the gap. It was still there, but now it was clean, and it kind of looked like one of those gobstoppers. You know, the, like you cut it in half, and there's a million layers inside of it. It's like a hole drilled down, but it, it's this gap, and this is layers. Like somewhere along the line, I, I stopped developing this part of me, or something happened, or I protected it, or I got hurt. I don't know yet, but I know that God is beginning to change that about me. It's like I'm relearning how to view life without it anymore, and instead, this word that you are delightful. It's like I'm learning how to exercise differently. I know that sounds really stupid, but before, fitness was about being better and hating things about myself, so making myself better and making myself good enough, but now it's different. It's about reflecting the image of God, and, and it, I can't even explain to you. It's a journey I'm still on of relearning who I am in Christ, and that is what he offers to you, but the encouragement now hits too because I'm not blocking out the good either. So my conversations with people, they actually encourage me and help me feel like I belong and I'm safe. And worship and encouragement, joy gets in. It's, it's like something has broken and God can come in in a new way and it is so good and he's calling you to be healed. So here's what I have for you. Be saved. Some of you, if you've not accepted Jesus or you're like, I've never understood it like that, and it's your day to be driven by new life, to experience it by giving your life over to Jesus as Savior and leader of your life. And we'll do that at the end. Those of you, too, if you do get saved, it's time for you to get in the water today. Not tomorrow. Not next time. Today. And so we'll have people who will walk up and get baptized. I encourage you to do that. Some of you are like, I need to get baptized. I've been waiting or I've never done it or I'm going to do it. I'm going to get baptized today. And we have prepared for you. Make a decision now to be washed in the love of God. For those who are getting baptized, we're going to hear your testimony in just a moment. And I want to say thank you. Thank you for the honor of being with you in this journey. God's going to do something in the water. He always does. Something happens in the water and it's beautiful. 
and I don't know what it's going to be for you, but I just know that God's going to meet you. But it's an invitation, not just for once and for all, but for this continual washing of love. And he's going to take you some places, and he's going to confront some things in you. And then he's going to take some of these spikes out of you as you move, and it's going to be a beginning of a journey of being refreshed and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so do not be surprised if he takes you to the next place right after we do this. Don't be surprised. Don't be scared. Don't be worried. Jesus loves you. He's not going to let you go. Jesus is calling you to the water. Some of you need to get baptized today. And we're ready for that. Final group. Something that needs to be washed. Like me, needs to be washed, needs to be cleansed. And for you, that may mean you get baptized, but it also may mean, like, no, it's not the baptism I need. I need a freshness of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to have a bunch of these stakes because some of us need to figure out how we've allowed ourselves to be pierced, even by ourselves, and how these things are getting in the way of God developing us and helping us feel safe. Feel safe. You see... Things have happened to us, and things have happened to me, and it really wasn't about the things that people have done to me. No, it really wasn't. They hurt, yes, there's a cost, yes, but it was about this. I couldn't heal, I couldn't get better, because I could only develop so far as my self-hatred would allow me. But Christ removes those things. So it might be time for you to have those things removed. What I'm going to do is, during this time of baptism and worship, I, I pray that you allow God to identify inside of you some of the things he wants to remove. I'm going to put these on the stage in the front here, and I encourage you to come grab one and sit down with it and just pray and ask God if there is something. Use it as a way of focusing your prayer, and you can put it back whenever you're done. But I encourage you, too, to invite other people into this process with you, to ask them to come and be part of it. You see, I'm only I prayed with God every, an hour every day for like 50 months. That's not an exaggeration. That's what I've done. And this didn't happen there. It didn't. You see, it's good to be alone with God. It is. But there are these moments where we need each other to be healed. And I would not stand here if not for Mark, if not for Kevin. Now, see, Kevin uh, is my discipler, and he's been telling me, the Father loves you, 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 right? And I'm like, uh-huh, 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 until I got it, right? Until this happened. And, and Mark, <laughs> he's the one who walked with me through six sessions where God didn't seem to be moving, and I'm just descending further and further into pain and suffering. And you know what Mark didn't try to do? He didn't try to rescue me because he knows the rescuer. He sat with me. He walked down with me to the depths of my pain where I had destroyed a tree and a blood blisters all over my hands because I could not express my anger in any other way. I was out in the woods. No one was out there. They did hear me. They told me later I was screaming. Anyways, I was down there, and he said, come, show me this place of pain. And we went down, and I sat. And all he did is sit next to me. That's it. Powerful to sit with someone in their pain. We want to be with you in your pain. Who says that? <laughs> People who have experienced new life in Jesus, that's you. That's you. So grab one of these stakes, sit with it, allow God to speak to you, and see if he doesn't show you something.
then reach out. It's why discipleship matters so much and why we're convinced it's the way forward. Stand with me, please, as we prepare. God has led you to this place for a reason. He is here. And I want to give those who want an opportunity to accept Jesus as their Savior to do that. I want you to ask God what he's asking you to do and to respond. He's looking at you with his hand on your chest saying, I love you. Are you ready? Are you ready? And all you have to do is nod your head, and he's going to do something inside of you. Would you close your eyes? If you want to accept Jesus as the Savior and leader of your life, if you want to follow him, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me to make this your call out to God. God, I need someone to rescue me. God, I need someone to come and speak to me and tell me who I am. I recognize that there's, there's a gap in me, but there's a gap between you and me. I can't fill either. I need Jesus Christ to die for me, pay my debt so I can be connected to you. And he did that. So today I choose to walk in that, to believe it and accept it, and to give control over of my life to Jesus Christ and make my life about giving glory to God by being transformed and by being a sacrifice for others. Wash me in your love. Refresh my spirit. you made that decision, we do want to walk with you. You can fill out the Connect card, bring it to the welcome desk, or drop it on the way out. Let us know. Come talk to us. Some of you, you made that decision, so you're going over there in just a little bit to get baptized. God will guide you in that. As we get ready to move on with our baptisms, know that God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. Are you ready to hear more testimonies of God's love? Yeah, I think so. You can be seated for a little bit. One of the things that sticks out to me and resonates with me in Nathan's story is this idea of being complete. Uh, you have a story, and I don't know where your story is and if you feel a sense of completion or not, but uh, the words that also uh, stuck out to me are the words of Paul writing to another church. We're in a series called Galatians. Paul's the writer of that, but he wrote a letter to a church in Philippi. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, it says, I am certain. I'm certain that God who began a good work within you will complete it. He will complete it until the day of Christ Jesus. You are a work in progress. You're not supposed to have arrived. And the people that are going to share their stories in just a moment, it's not a story of arrival. They're just beginning a new journey. They're beginning new life. And that is all of us as well. And so we're going to hear those stories for that reason, because we're inspired by stories. And we see this later on in the New Testament, the book of Revelation. It's this vision, this vision of overcoming. And it says that you and I, we are victorious. We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb, which is Jesus, because we can't do this apart from him. We're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. There's power in our stories. And so that's what we're going to do now. We're going to share some stories. So I want to invite up Charles, and he's going to share his story first. Would you welcome Charles? Thanks, Jared. Hi, everybody. 
My name's Charles. I'm 28 years old. I've been coming to Life Church for several years now. Um, so I grew up in the church um, my whole life, basically. And I gave my life to Jesus when I was much younger. Uh, I always tried to follow his teachings about how we should behave and treat others, but I didn't really seek a relationship with him. I believed he died for my sins and that he rose to life again, but I'd never really given him control of my life. Instead of letting him take the wheel, I put Jesus in the back seat, or sometimes even the trunk. I focused my attention on things I wanted to do, like going to school, having a good career, maybe getting married someday. I wanted to live a, a fairly average life. So in 2008, when I was just 15, I enrolled in middle college, and that's where things really changed for me. My parents just got divorced. My little sister had just been born, and my mom was hospitalized soon afterwards. I now had to take care of my three siblings at home in addition to going to school. I became more stressed and irritable over time, eventually developing depression and severe anxiety. My grades went from A's and B's to all F's in a single semester. A few months later, a police officer knocked on our door and told us that we were being evicted. Our family had to split between two different houses since no one had room for all of us. About a year later, we finally managed to get another house of our own, but the damage had already been done. I was officially burned out. My anxiety and depression were crippling. I had become angry and hopeless. I no longer had the strength or the will to finish college. My life had spiraled out of control and I was powerless. So I turned to Jesus and I said, I can't do this alone. I need help that only you can provide. I need your strength because I have none left. I promise that from now on I will follow your will because you know what is best for me. That day I recommitted my life to Jesus and asked him to deliver me from my situation. And he did. <laughs> Since recommitting my life to Christ, I finished school and earned my associate's degree. I've also deepened my relationship with Jesus and have seen my depression and anxiety problems fade. <laughs> my life had changed for the better, but that doesn't mean it became easy. A few years ago, I developed fibromyalgia, bringing with it great physical and mental pain. This time, though, I'm not doing things on my own. My strength comes from Jesus and from knowing that these tribulations are not punishments, but seasons of refinement. For each struggle, <laughs> for each struggle I go through, I come out that much stronger and closer to him. So I am thankful for these painful, hard times in my life, because without them, I wouldn't have realized how much I needed Jesus. And going forward, I really want him to use me to help and encourage other people who may be going through their own seasons of refinement and maybe find themselves losing hope. Thank you. And this is John. Praise God. Good morning, everyone. My name is John Smith.
for real. <laughs> I am married to my beautiful wife, Rita. I have three daughters, two granddaughters, a large family, many friends in my church family. I'm a hardworking assistant manager at American Freight Outlet in Livonia and a great salesman. I sold over a million dollars worth of products and services last year. And I love my family, people, and God. I come from a very religious family, and I was baptized when I was eight years old. But because of the hypocrisy I saw in church, I changed my friends, my attitude, and my life. I started hanging out with the hoods, the players, and the drug dealers. I remember when I tried my first joint at 12 years old. This is where my use of drugs began. It's not easy to stand up here and tell the world what my life was like before Jesus came into it. I am an addict, a recovering addict, but an addict all the same. My life was full of attempts to quit, and I could get it together for a while, fool my family, or so I thought but I would eventually go back to my old ways. I have been shot, stabbed, sold drugs, lied, stole, and changed who I was all in the name of one more. One more drug, drink, dollar, feeling, or not to feel. I had a hole in my life and in my spirit and I tried to fill it with many things, but nothing worked. I was full of regrets, anger, shame, fear, and remorse. I didn't think I was loved or feel loved. I didn't trust or like people because I thought they were just like me. But on October the 22nd, 2003, after 29 years of use, abuse, and finally addiction, something happened. After spending my last $200 of my paycheck on drugs, I fell to my knees and cried out to God for help. I didn't care how the help came or who would help me. I just wanted my life to change. And it was through Narcotics Anonymous, NA, that I recommitted my life to Christ. My first sponsor, was a minister at Faith Clinic Church of God in Christ. And for him to be my sponsor, he required me to ride on the bus he used to pick up people from homeless and battered women's shelters and drive in the church services. And it was through this selfless act of helping people get on the bus and offer a big smile that I began to see the good in others and in me. I forgot about my situation and problems and focused on being able to just help others. God works through people. Since I have recommitted my life to Christ, I have went back to school and graduated with a BA in history and political science. 
I have also received a master's degree in secondary education. I married my beautiful wife, became a father and a grandfather. These were all things that I thought I would never have. Today, I love Jesus, my family, people, and my life. I have peace, joy, and happiness in my life. And when things don't go as I plan, I have a resource to help me through, Jesus. I have a church family that I wouldn't change for anything. But most of all, I have Jesus in my life. Now, I'm not sure what the future holds for me. Maybe I'll help with the marriage ministry, get involved with the men's ministry, or lead a small group. But whatever I do, I know I will always attempt to lead others to Christ. He saved my life and gave me more than I could ever imagine. And he can do the same for you. Well, again, thank you for listening and joining us in this message. And um, I just pray that God is stirring in you right now as he did in the hearts of those who decided to get baptized um, during this message. And then also, if you are feeling like you want to get baptized, would you let us know? You can fill out a Connect card uh, by going to lifechurchcanton.org slash now. And toward the top there, there's a little button there that you can click on that says Connect Card. Click on that. Fill out some information about yourself. Let us know that you just want to learn more about baptism. Um, or if you want to get baptized and you just don't know what steps to take, we will help you with all of that. All you have to do is just fill out that Connect card and somebody will be in touch with you very soon. Uh, if there's anything else you need, you just need prayer for anything, just um, let us know. Fill out the Connect card and we will help you take your next steps. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you back here soon.